1: You Welcome to Line Drive Radio, hopefully your favorite baseball podcast. You're truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, holding down the board, as always, here in New York. How many the Yanks and the the amazing Metsies. Both of them no longer playing baseball right now. And it's time to bring in my LDR teammates from the great city of Chicago, also hosts of two baseball teams no longer in the postseason. Tab, what's going down, Shy down.
2: Well, from a baseball perspective, the White Sox are interviewing managerial candidates, and the Cubs uh, are putting up a really intriguing front, talking about being big buyers this winter. After I think what everyone would say was a, a quietly impressive second half, in which they were really competitive. So. You know, we 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 talked all year about how the Mets went out and won the postseason or the off season, I should say. They haven't won crap in the postseason. They won the off season and uh, and signed a bunch of guys, and it looked good uh, until the chips were on the table, um, and then it folded because that's what the Mets do. Um, but it looks like the Cubs are poised to be as active this year, spending and adding as uh, the Mets were last year. And those two tie together intriguingly because one of the things that the Cubs have talked about potentially adding is an ace. And Jacob deGrom is sitting out there looking for the bag. Ooh, that that, that would white
1: the Mets fans hearts. It
2: it would, it would. The Cubs owe that to them for 1969 though. So, and you know what, frankly, we talk puck on here a little bit every once in a while as well. Frankly, as a guy that also does a lot of Blackhawk stuff. Uh, you know what? Y'all got a cup with your uh, blue shirts with my guy Steve Larmer wearing the wrong jersey also. So if uh, if DeGrom came to Chicago and got a ring, I feel that that's poetic justice for Steve Larmer's contributions to the Rangers uh, 29 years ago.
1: <laughs> Do you think a guy like DeGrom would sign with the Chicago Cubs? All money aside. I think... I mean, are the Cubs so here's, really a contender?
2: Well, I mean, so lots of factors there without uh, blowing up our World Series show into a breakdown of what the offseason brings and hypothesizing for next year. But here's, here's where the Cubs are at. They've got a really good young team, and they're jacked full of prospects. It looks like they've done really, 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 I can't say really enough, really well. Italics, bold, all that fun stuff. We're going to make it a bigger font. Um, with all the trades that they've made in the last couple years. And all the talent is coming. And they had a lot of really good young pitching look pretty good at the major league level this past year. They've got Marcus Stroman, who is a dynamic personality, who's out there ready, willing, and able to recruit people to join him on the north side of Chicago. Um, Are they ready to compete with the Dodgers of the world? On paper, no. I mean, the Dodgers have interesting decisions to make this winter. I would be – I it sounds crazy because of what he's done in the past, but I would be fairly surprised if they even gave a qualifying offer to Cody Bellinger based on how he's played the last couple years. Uh, so Bellinger walks, you know, they've, they've got decisions to make and they're spending a ton of money in L.A. They're going to keep spending a ton of money. They keep coming up with prospects. I'm not worried about the Dodgers. Can the Cubs compete with them? It depends on what they do, and Adding a guy like Jacob deGrom certainly puts them in that conversation. When you look at the Central Division of the National League, St. Louis is losing Pools and Yadier Molina, and we really have no idea what it's going to look like with someone else catching the majority of the games in St. Louis. And what Pools meant to them in the last 60% of the season this year is undeniable. They've still got Goldschmidt, they've still got Arenado, they've still got a great defensive team on the field, but you know, Flaherty's still coming back from an injury. You don't know what Michaelis is going to look like. Adam Wainwright's coming back for another year, but, you know, Father Time is undefeated, so we'll see what he actually brings to the table. I don't think it's crazy to think that the Cubs in, that, in this division could make some noise, and we've talked about this the last couple years as we led up to the postseason. All you have to do is get in, and anything can happen. And last year, nobody wanted to win the National League East until the Braves finally said, screw it, we'll win it, and then they went and did the whole thing. And this year the Phillies were a dumpster fire who had to fire their manager 40% of the season done. They moved on from your guy, Joe Girardi and everything that Thompson has touched has turned to gold. Of course, you know, having a uh, motivated and performing Bryce Harper every day is a huge catalyst there more than having a manager pulling the right strings. But It's not crazy to think in a division where, look, Stern stepped down as the general manager in Milwaukee this week. Um, They've got their problems. They're over committed to guys like Christian Yelich who really haven't done a lot for them recently. They don't have as much of a ready-to-contribute prospect pipeline as many would argue the Cubs do. Um, The Pirates are always interesting because they've got a lot of kids, but if they never spend money, they're not going to keep them for very long. So, and Cincinnati's kind of in that in-between stage where they're, you know, kind of in the same spot as the Cubs, but the young guys that they have in the lineup and that they've brought up recently have not performed as well as what the Cubs had. So, if you're the Chicago Cubs or you're an onlooker of the Chicago Cubs, I think you're in a place right now where you say, why not us? And a lot of the guys contributing are not getting paid. You know, they've already made gone public with the decision to move on from Jason Hayward. They're buying him out. Um, you know, they've got some other guys that are going to move on. They're going to have some space to fill. Most people believe most of the big name analysts, guys like Rosenthal and Heyman are putting the Cubs at the top of the shopping list for one of the marquee shortstops. And you're talking Bogarts and Trey Turner and Correa. You add one of those bats to the lineup. It's a totally different deal. You move Nico Horner over to second base where he's a gold glove caliber defender and he can hit, um, you know, the Cubs are a fascinating play right now because they have deep pockets. They have not used them the last couple of years. And ownership has indicated and told everyone that they're ready to open up the, the purse strings again. So can the Cubs compete if they spend money wisely? Why not? But can they spend my money wisely and will they? And that's the big question. And, you know, we look back at what the Mets did last year, and I'm not going to say that they didn't spend my money wisely, but, you know, Marte got hurt down the stretch. Scherzer was dinged up down the stretch. Um, it's a You have to get in, and then anything can happen. We've talked about that this year. We talked about it last year. Uh, you have to embrace the chaos, and then you've got to be ready for anything. And anything can happen, and it will, and the Phillies are, you know, still living proof that anything can happen. It's been far from chalk on the National League side. The American League, the Astros have handled their business. They've done what I think a lot of people expected them to do, maybe not going undefeated through two rounds of playoffs, but uh, but the National League is far from chalk. The, the last team in is the last one standing. So uh, why not us if you're a Cubs fan? So if you're Jacob deGrom and you – hear from what guys like John Lester have to say. People didn't think Lester would ever leave Boston. Now he got traded to Oakland. So he was looking for a new home anyway. So that's a, that's a significant differentiator from the DeGrom situation. But John Lester came to Chicago, won a world series and he's a legend here. He's got two cities where he's never got to buy dinner again. Now he's. um, But if, if, Jacob Degrom can buy into him being this generation's John Lester. That's a pretty strong uh, push. And if you're frustrated that the Mets do seemingly everything right and can't hold on to a division lead and can't finish the job and can't get over the hump, maybe you look for a change. And he's the big piece that can go out there and look at making a change. And Frank, you know, no one's going to have as much money as Steve Cohen. Even the Dodgers, I'd don't think are going to be willing to give out long-term baggage the way that Steve Cohen has shown that he's willing to do. Um, But if you're the Cubs and you're willing to go larger annual on shorter term, are you willing to give Jacob DeGrom, even with the injury questions that he's had for the last few years, are you willing to go like 40 million per for three to four instead of, 30 million per for five or six. And would he entertain that? It's a big question. And so we'll, we'll see what happens, but yeah, i I think the Cubs are positioned really, really well right now for the next three to five years. It feels a lot like where the Cubs were at in 2014. We don't have the big names that people were circling like Rizzo and Baez and Bryant at that time. Um, but you've got a really intriguing young team that's doing some things. And I think if you go spend money wisely and those guys produce Wrigley, is one of the best places in baseball to play. And, uh, and guys would want to play in Chicago on the North side. So if they're willing to spend big money and guys want to do something special for a historic team. Yeah. I think, I think they're, they're a fascinating team, but, uh, but there's a there's another guy out there who the Cubs have been lightly linked to um, because they have deep pockets and he could potentially hit the market and that's your guy Judge, who and and you mean, Paul
1: you mean that bum?
2: Yeah, well <laughs> that bum there it is. So I, I I'm going to give the floor to. to no, Paul. no, no,
1: no, I want to I hear your speculation here about Judge uh, putting on the, uh, the pinstripes there in Chicago. How does that work?
2: I, I, think it's an, I think it's a massive long shot. I think San Francisco's probably going to be willing to give him more dollars in term than the Cubs probably because they've got outfield guys coming. Um, again, you know, bigger annual on a shorter term. Does he entertain that? Will he ever leave your Yankees? Uh, big questions, uh, but I think if he does decide to hit the open market, I think the Cubs would make an intriguing case to the guy.
1: It's too cold in Chicago for AJ. I mean, I know it's oh. cold here in New York, but we don't we don't get the winters. We're, we're not talking we about to. a guy
2: leaving, leaving Miami. <laughs> no, th- this isn't. He's, you know, he's too tall this for Wrigley. He's too tall for Wrigley. This isn't Freddie Freeman moving to Vancouver Wrigley's from a little, Atlanta.
1: Wrigley's a little stadium. You can't you can't put AJ in in Wrigley. It's too big. You
2: know, hey, those rooftops are awfully tempting. <laughs> but uh, look, hey, Paul, you know, in all seriousness, you know, there's a couple guys here that I, I think we'll, we'll talk about in a second. But I need you. You know, Festivus is coming. Um, this is an audio format, so people can't see that we have a, a poll in the middle of the room here. Uh, but in in the spirit of Festivus and the airing of grievances, component of that holiday, um, I, I need you to give us your spin. What 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 happened to your Yankees? Are we blaming Dennis Bernstein for all of it? And uh, because his Dodgers lost too, so he's an Ofer right now.
1: That's that's the um, that's the easy uh, way out. That would be yeah. the easy way
2: out. Um, I'm there's sorry. no easy way out. There's Fire, no shortcut home.
1: Cashman, that's the other easy way
2: out, right? Uh as I rip into a rocky four montage, um <laughs> there's no easy way out. No, but uh, talk to me. Yankees. WTF. What do you got? I I I I know I know you've got you've got some uh vitriol ready to roll here. So let let's hear it, Paul.
1: I don't know. I'm a lot I'm a lot uh I don't know. I've been the guy, you know, you watch the series, you just they didn't have it. They just didn't have the mojo. They just Are
2: you on the are you on the fence between it ain't broke so it doesn't need to be totally fixed, but it, it ain't working, so something's gotta change?
1: Well, there's obviously some changes, primarily in the lineup that you gotta make. I I'm definitely uh as I put my Yankee manifesto on the uh on the Facebook there, uh, yesterday, uh uh laying it all out in terms of how I uh you know I sat down and thought about it a little bit. I think uh, initially when they lost, I think I would have been in in the same camp of yeah, they're probably going to clean house. Is that my brother? No. um, <laughs> um they're probably going to clean house just because you know that's you, you time you you may be looking at the five years, maybe you know with Boone, it's just and then you're getting the same result in the uh, in the playoffs here. Um, so maybe it's just it's just time. That's where you start. You know, you, you start with Booney and, and I don't know, did the Steinbrenner you know, fire Cashman, whatever the heck happens. But that's that's what you're leaning towards. But I think the primary anger is it has to be with the with the team. And, you know, not every guy in that lineup but quite a lot of them who were given ample opportunity to um be in a position to to get to a championship here. They're they're four, they're four losses away, four wins away from getting to the World Series. And I wasn't overly impressed with the Astros. What I was impressed is that they capitalized on every single mistake that the Yankees made, and they capitalized on the deficiency of their lineup. So where I'm at right now after a couple of, you know, about almost a week here thinking about it is, is look, I don't I'm not blaming Booney here. You you know me and everybody's listening to LDR knows I'm a huge Boone fan.
2: And um And and, and it sounds like he's gonna be back next year.
1: Yeah and I was at kind least of
2: heard publicly it sounds like he's gonna be back.
1: Yeah, and, and then if you if you look at it from the wide lens and you sit back and everything, it's it's probably a very smart move. You know, I think fans get especially Yankee fans, you know, I mean you, you get enraged because you, you're you supposed to win every year. Now, the Yankees do win every year. They've won every year for the last five years. Have they won a championship? No. But as far as the long baseball season, they win every year and they get a chance to get in. And as I was putting in my, my thoughts on uh, online there yesterday, it's like, you know, if the Astros lose this series, they basically become the Buffalo Bills of baseball. They haven't won anything either. They, they have the one championship, but there is an asterisk next to it. You know, so go Phillies <laughs> first of all. But you know, it, you know, and I, I, I'd found some uh, percentages as far as winning percentages for the for the team here, and you know where the Yankees have been the last you know five to seven years. Anyway, uh, take the series. Uh, look, the Yankees got their asses. Uh, I, uh, they got smoked from a team that took advantage of their mistakes. The, Ast- the the Mariners made mistakes against the Astros, and the Astros pounded on those mistakes again. They were. You know, what, 14, 15 the game for maybe, you know, turning that thing around. They were uh, one bad pitch. You know, the Yankees, obviously, you, that's baseball. Bad pitch here. You got a home run here. Um, you know, so there, there was lots of facets of the, um, you know, the Yankee series here, I- similar to, to the Mariners-Astros series. with In the end, the better team that took advantage of the mistakes of the other team and obviously some incredible pitching performances uh, from the Astros' um You know, Doug, you know, bullpen Uh, was huge. So you you line it up, and there you go. And now they they still have to beat the Phillies. I think the Phillies, and we'll get to that a little later, um, just because their lineup is churning. It's all, you know, you talk about the pitching part of it, which is such a huge, you know, uh, thing, uh, you know, in in defensive baseball and, you know, when, when the playoffs turn around. Uh, but you, you can see how the Yankees lost if they just had to hit the ball a little bit and stayed a little competitive up and down the lineup. Uh, you know, you, you might have had a different outcome. So, for me, you know, there's quite a few guys here, n- not only that were in the ALCS lineup that let the team down, but you have guys that got themselves injured that weren't able to be a part of the ALCS that that hurt the team. And that's guys like A-Hoo, um Carpenter too. You know, Benintendi not being in a lineup. You know, Green and King as far as pitching, everything else. And you put that all together. And where am I going at? This goes to the argument about Boone getting fired and Cashman getting fired, you know. Um, Cashman goes out. He gets these guys the money, right? Uh, Hicks got the money. Uh, Donaldson comes in here. A uh, kind of falefer. You know, Donaldson and kind of all season long uh, were a big part of their success as far as winning. Obviously a big part of the slump, too, and turns it around. They win the uh, – you know, the, uh, the division and everything else, and they get in there. And the Yankees have gotten in there the last five years under Boone and Cashman. So I think Boone and Cashman have put the team in the best situation they can to get in. And I think if you're a franchise, that's what you want. So, yes, they lose. So us Yankee fans are just, you know, we sat there. We watched every strikeout. We watched every stupid mistake in the in the uh, infield and the outfield on Little League plays. That just, for me, just blows my mind, you know, and you know it too. We're, we're Little League managers and coaches and stuff like that, and then you s- when you see it happen on a Major League Baseball field, it's just, it's mind-blowing. So it didn't line up for the Yankees, and I think Yankee fans just have to understand that, you know, I, I look at the, my opinion is, is just the lineup just let them down, you know. You know, you can yell and scream, should, should, should Cole have been taken out by Booney in that, uh, what it was, fourth, fifth inning there? You know, Booney shouldn't have been. I mean, Booney shouldn't have been in that situation anyway. You know, if they split the series in Houston, you know, it's it's not a big deal. But it's it, now you're, it gets amplified because of the situation they're in and the elimination. And, um, you know, and just you know, the, the the team just letting them down. So Booney as a manager, he only has his lineup. He only has his guys. He has to think about if they do win the game, they've got to win. You know, four out of five here. It's just all these things that you have to think about. And I think. Um, Yankee fans and baseball fans, being that you know, what do you call it, the, the Monday morning quarterback, watching it there. And else. I I think you know when you look back at a big, uh, big perspective here, you know, the Yankees are still a good team. They've got a good core. Um, so you had health issues. Chapman's another guy, big letdown. Um,
2: you know, I mean, going, I think he's gone. Yeah, well, I think, he is. I, but he, I is. I I think I think the whole staying in Miami, missing the workout, not getting. Even I know, but still, he, to show he, he, up he, he, on the postseason he roster. Was, he's done.
1: But at, but at, at his top, if the guy performs at the level he's supposed to perform at, he becomes he's he's one of the best closers in the game. So he tails off. He had a horrible year. He was on his way out. We know that. But still, on paper, um, as far as what you have, you know, going into the, the, the playoffs and stuff, he's an asset that you lose. Ross, you make get him in the deal. He's gone. You don't have him. So, you know, you nitpick anyway. But what I'm getting at here is in, 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 in the shortest terms here is, um, and as far as going forward, uh, I, I'm, all, I'm good for Booney for another year or two, at least two years. And I'm, also, I'm okay with Cashman, too. I mean, you know, how this lineup comes back next year, Judge is obviously a huge uh, situation. And you look at Judge. I mean, you know, that was the big thing in the paper here last week, too. All the fans got on, you know, how could they boo Judge? And of course you can boo these guys. This is the playoffs. You know, great. Yes, the 62 home runs, it was a historic and everything else. But when it comes down to championships, and we've talked about this so many times as far as, you know, the Yankee lore and everything else, the history. You know, it's a, being a Yankee is about winning championships.
2: It and, don't mean a thing without the ring.
1: And unfortunately, Judge is M.O. He just doesn't produce in the playoffs. Is it a mental thing? Is, is, can he handle that pressure? Will this affect how he's signed next year? You know, I think if you look at a 162-game season and you get a star power like Aaron Judge, yeah, you're going to bring in the in the money because y- he's going to put fans in the seats for you. Is he a lock to, to help your team out in the playoffs? You don't know. He's still got a, a few more years. I, I want him to come back, obviously. And if Judge comes back, great. And let's say Rizzo comes back for another year or two or whatever. And then you, 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 you pair those guys up with LeMahieu, Stanton, Cabrera, and obviously uh, Harrison Bader, who's... <coughs> Are you kidding me? He was phenomenal. And then, um, you know, with some prospects and everything else, you tweak things out. You get some help for Cortez and Cole and Severino. You've still got a great pitching staff. And you're 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 a couple of tweaks away from, you know, another good lineup. And you've got, don't tell me Boone's not a great players manager. You know? And I think Cashman's a good player's GM, you know? You can't bring back Hicks. I don't know what they do with Hicks. You don't well, back- he's,
2: gone. he's gone. When, when you yeah. brought in Bader, the writing was on the wall, right? Ben and will be in left, Bader will be in center, and theoretically Judge will be in right, and that's your outfield. Hicks is gone. So I've got three thoughts here. One is a rhetorical question that we don't need to dig into, but um, Brian Cashman's been the GM for a long time not every you are hired into a job in professional sports to be fired at some point my rhetorical question is not necessarily maybe has cashman done things wrong but is it time for a fresh voice to be evaluating the talent in the bronx has it just been long enough that a, a, a moderate change in course Uh, That time has come. That's one thought. Um, My second thought, which is a little bit larger, and I'll try and give you the cliff notes here, is the Yankees right now remind me in many ways to where the Cubs were at in 2016, 2017, and 2018. In that uh, the Cubs peaked. uh, They brought in the dog that I already mentioned, John Lester to lead the rotation, comp to Garrett Cole. Um, They had a lineup that was good enough. Now, the Cubs won a World Series with that lineup. The Yankees are still waiting for that with this present generation. Um, But in 17, 18, and 19, the problem that the Cubs had was the lineup got comfortable with who was capable of doing what, and they became too predictable and too redundant. And I think that that was the problem for the Yankees in this postseason was they became too predictable and too redundant. And if you go back to our championship series preview show for anybody out there in radio listener land, feel free to go grab that last episode of LDR and give it a listen. Because what I said to you, Paul, about the Yankees going into that series was the Yankees, the Astros weren't going to avoid Aaron judge, but they weren't going to let him beat them. And it was going to require everyone else in the lineup to pick judge up for them to get past the Astros. And you know what judge judge struggled but nobody came with him. And when you when you compare and contrast what the Yankees did against the Astros to what the Astros did against the Yankees. You're spot on that the that every time the Yankees blinked, every time they hiccuped, the Astros had two runs on the board. Right? It just, that's the way that they work. But the Astros have gotten nothing, zero, nada from Jose Altuve, the heart and soul of that club. He has three hits in 32 at bats in the postseason. He has an 094 batting average. He's only walked three times. He has a 171 on base percentage. He has one extra base hit, a double. Slugging. One twenty. He hasn't done anything, but everybody else. around him,
1: yes, everybody, else.
2: showed up. Yuli yes. Gurriel, yes. Alex Bregman, Jeremy Peña, yes. the guy, the the guy that nobody knew who he was. Who's the kid yes. that's replacing Correa? How dare they let a guy a number one overall pick
1: and the problem
2: at a premium position walk, and then the kid that replaced him is the ALCS MVP. Yes.
1: All
2: so so unfortunately, unfortunately for you, what proved to bare truth was that the Astros said everybody but Aaron Judge is going to need to beat us and Judge put all of the pressure to do it on himself and he was not able to put his big boy pants on and come through because if you're chasing three runs and no one's on base even the Babe Ruth Hank Aaron Willie Mays, Albert Pujols, uh, his, his... you can't hit a five-run homer with nobody on base. All right, but Holt, this is great. you are bringing this even down. if you, even if you try. Okay. And I think Aaron Judge was trying more times than not. Forget about to hit Judge a five-run homer.
1: But forget about Judge because we've talked about this too during the season, as far as different teams and everything else. For seventy games, for seventy games, and they were the best team in the league. Okay.
2: Without heading Severino,
1: in, heading in to the all-star break and the trade deadline. The New York Yankees gave Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone no reason to think that re- they really needed to f- get anything else major at the trading deadline, okay? Mhm. Cuz they were killing everybody. The lineup was just smoking and it wasn't just Judge. Everybody was rocking. Even True Trav- You know, what? I, 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 Listen Trevino becomes an all-star catcher. He goes to the all-star game, okay? By the end of the year and into the, into the uh, playoffs, Trevino and Donaldson, kind of a Leffer, pretty much Gleyber Torres as well too, all become automatic outs at the bottom of the order, mm-hmm. okay? So if, if you're a GM and you're a manager and, and, and once you get past that trading deadline, you, you you can't do anything. There was nothing for them to do, right? And the, the Yankees dealt with carrying Gallo along for the whole season. I'll, there's, two, there's, there's one crazy thing I can't understand with Boone and, and, and the front office. wherever the I don't understand the whole Gallo thing. I mean, at the time, and that was the argument, why get rid of Gallo? They're the best team in the league. He's one guy. He was the Altuve of the Yankees during the first 70 games of the season, right? So you don't change anything, right? He's so Gallo's sucking at the plate. Doesn't matter. You're the best team in the league, right? Boom. There's your Altuve for the for the Yankees at the beginning of the year. Um, and then you know, I I still don't understand the Aaron Hicks thing. Aaron Hicks is I, how he was still in. line. I don't know. There'll be a book about it one day. I don't get it. But he's he's got to go. He's just got to go. So anyway, what I'm getting at here is so Cashman and Boone. After that All Star game, and then they started the dive, right? They, they, lost every, they lost their mojo, and it all, and it never really came back to win the division there at the end. And Judge went and did his own thing. But you could kind of see the writing on the wall. And the thing was, is that all, all Booney and Cashman could do was just wait, watch, and hope. They brought up a couple of the rookies, Cabrera there, and, and uh, to see if something else would happen. And, he, they, you know, the kid came up in the beginning there and, and, and did all right, but he, he kind of tailed off. And just like other managers and other pitchers in baseball do, they watch the tape and they figure out a way to beat you. And at the end of the day, going into the playoff series, that lineup, unfortunately 80% of that lineup from the All-Star game out just couldn't put it together. But in the first half of the season, every come on. Everybody, and don't tell – every Yankee fan, greatest team in the world, they're competing against the 90s teams, right? They were chasing the 114-game winner. They were the best. They couldn't do anything wrong. And i got to tell you, I said it here on the air too. Yankees going to be fine. They're going to be all right. Everything's going to be okay. These guys are in a slump. They'll come out of it. They'll come out of it. They never came out of it. Four or five of them. So, so,
2: so, Paul, the question, the question is, and what you're saying is – There's nothing they could do. One of, one of the most dangerous elements. The Dodgers elements. had
1: the problem, and the Mets had the problem, and the you know the Braves had the problem, and then the Padres obviously against Philly, they they all fell into the same thing. The lineup didn't produce when they were supposed to.
2: But 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 Paul, so here's here's my thing with the Yankees. The most dangerous thing inside a room in any sport is talented complacency. And I think that you are really a voice of Yankee fandom and the organization in its entirety when you say they'll be fine. And I think that that lineup felt they would be fine. Yeah, we did. And like those Cubs teams, um, it's, it's really hard to flip a switch with the amount of scouting that happens in Major League Baseball. And I think, you know, look, the Astros were the same as the Yankees this year. They rolled, right? Now, their division was not nearly as stout as the American League East was. But they also didn't go crazy at the deadline. They made some minor moves. They tweaked some stuff. They brought in Vasquez, right? They brought in a backup catcher. Who cares? Um, so neither one of those teams really did anything at the deadline. The difference here is... <clears throat> The Astros have a killer instinct, and I, I truly don't see that from the Yankees. I think that they know, and, and it's, if either one of those teams could comfortably say, just get in and we know what it takes when we get there, it would have been the Astros because they've been in the series multiple times with this core, and they've got a chip. Yes, tainted. Yes, with a massive 25-pound asterisk on it, but they have a chip with a big chunk of this core. The Yankees do not. And one of these two teams became comfortable with where they were in the standings, were more willing to accept the subpar performances because of where they were in the standings. And when the dust settled at the end of 162 games for every team in the league, the Astros had the best record because Some guys maybe weren't good for a time, but nobody really took their foot off the gas collectively. And they continued to push the envelope. And I think that the, that that complacency that the Yankees had, we're good enough. Just get us there. And if we're healthy and everything's right, we'll figure it out because, and everything that you've said is true, but it's also a fatal flaw for teams in baseball. And that is we're good enough that when we get there, We'll turn it on and we'll be okay because we just blunt force trauma doesn't work in baseball. Agree. And that's what you're seeing now is that the teams that try to win by blunt force trauma, the Padres, the Dodgers, to an extent. Now the Dodgers are they've got enough Swiss Army knives that I don't think that they're as dependent on the long ball as the Yankees and Padres were. Um now the Phillies are dependent on the long ball and look at what it's done for them. However, um, and we'll get to the National League and we'll talk World Series here in a second. But I, I just I think with the Yankees, the, the complacency is the, is the issue. And that's why I wonder, I asked that rhetorical question about Cashman because with the Cubs, everything became complacent. We've got superstars that have a ring. We've got guys that know what it takes. And Theo Epstein looked at it and he was self-aware enough to say, we need a different voice steering the ship because I'm emotionally attached to the guys that won. I built this thing and I understand that I'm going to extend bias. I'm going to extend Rizzo. I'm going to extend Bryant. I'm going to think that if I just augment what we have as a core, I can change the narrative. And that's not good enough with the speed with which the game and the league evolves. I need someone else to make these decisions. And it's easier for someone else to come in and own those decisions than the architect who built it to then change course. And with the Yankees, I feel, and the, here's the here's the the biggest difference between the Yankees don't, don't and forget, the Cubs.
1: Don't forget, don't leave out the fact that Booney doesn't have LeMahu to go to, to switch with Donaldson. Right. Do, Booney doesn't have Attendee in the lineup too, who's a guy who's going to drop singles in like Harrison Bader can. Okay. No, Booney doesn't have absolutely. King to throw in the rotation. Um,
2: or he doesn't. And he didn't have Jordan Montgomery, and that's a whole other. Well, you know what day, if because whatever. Bader 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 yeah, we'll take, Bader showed out, Yeah. So Bader was, played, that's easy so you can't really say like would they have been better with Hicks in center field and Montgomery pitching game one or game two? That I, that's, been that's an impossible if, argument.
1: And they also would have been better if Carpenter was swinging a regular bat down the, down and healthy going down into the lineup. I mean, there's there's those those are three huge guys that would have changed the game, changed the lineup. I'm with you on the complacency and everything else. And guys like Donaldson and Falefa and Torres, they just became automatic outs. Now, the other three guys, they probably might not have been that way. And we'll never know. And I agree with you on the complacency. But this is the thing where I want—I think people have to look at. And When it, you turn around and you you're point the finger at, at Cashman and Boone, you, you're, you're, those are three or four or five guys there that definitely would have shaken things up. It, it, it gives you more opportunity. Those guys weren't healthy. They weren't an option for Boone. And then when you have, you know, when you have three bad tires on the truck, and you got nothing left in the shop to replace them with, you're running down the highway with a with a lousy truck, and
2: you're not going to get right. good
1: mileage on it, you know.
2: Right. Well, and, and this, and so this is, you know, finishing my thoughts on on your Yankees here. The biggest difference between where the Yankees are at right now and where the Cubs were at two, three years ago is. The Yankees are heavily committed financially, long-term, to some of the pieces on this roster. Garrett Cole's not going anywhere. It isn't like he's got three years fine. left, like Lester did in Chicago. That's not a he, he, deal. He, he is, he is. But this, this is where it gets tricky, right? Because we've talked about this a lot, too. In the Bronx, you don't rebuild, you retool. And right now I think a lot of people look at the Yankees and they look at Glaber and I think he's become the new Gary Sanchez, right? Not doing any, the defense has become an issue. You don't know where to play him and you can't put the bat in the lineup because of what he did four years ago. He's not threatening at the plate. So a lot of, a lot of people will automatically want to say, so just replace him with Carlos Correa and call it a day. Here's the problem. The Yankees are in a position right now where they need to be looking at competitive stop gaps until some of these young guys get there. Look, the Yankees have had opportunities to trade and refuse to trade, rightfully so. Anthony Volpe, because they believe that he is the next generation's Derek Jeter. He is the shortstop for the next 20 years when he gets there. And when he gets there, it might be at some point next year. And he's your shortstop. He's your guy. Okay. Jason Dominguez is coming he's going to be your long-term answer probably in center field he's a switch hitter with bang okay so you've got some guys that are coming they're not quite there yet but they're coming so the the, the rock in the hard place for the Yankees is the Yankees are a team that has always been more than happy to go out and spend what it takes to win exactly. and you've got and you've got you've got and you've got a lot of sex appeal out there that they could go spend on but they're going to require long-term deals like Garrett Cole did and you've still got Stanton making a boatload of money, and that's a whole other problem because no one's going to take that because the guy can't stay on the field. Um, I, uh, I don't. But, I don't want but, but but going if anywhere. But, but if but if you're the Yankees right now, you're kind of you're almost back to that end of the Mattingly, and I'm, I've made the comp between you know we had that disagree, we had a whole show so, well, well, I I the No, but I've I've made the comp between Judge and Mattingly before, right? And right now they're kind of in a place where. You go get a Luis Soho or a Paul O'Neill or a Tino Martinez until the next guys are there. And then you have that homegrown core, that core four moving forward. And I think a lot of people look at the Yankees and they're like, once they get to Volpe and Dominguez being part of the centerpiece and the heartbeat of that club, they'll be okay. But what do you do between now and when those guys are ready to arrive? Because I think Dominguez needs another year or two of seasoning before he's ready for the bright lights. So so, what do you do? And does Brian Cashman, professionally personally, have the patience to find these guys like a Harrison Bader that are going to work? And do they work? And that that that's I I think the Yankees are in a much harder place right now than the Chicago Cubs. I just talked about the Cubs for five minutes, I and see, no, they're that, they're in a spot where their kids are coming things, and though. ready to spend. The Yankees are already spending, and the and the question becomes. Like, what, what's that next spend? Like, do you replace Anthony Rizzo with Jose Abreu or somebody like that at first base?
1: So we don't know uh, that yet. See, that's the thing, right? So, so, let's that, just, but let's that,
2: so there's, there's so many variables, but they're the Yankees. And, you know, putting a bow on this thing. Uh, so we talk about the two teams that are actually still playing, but where the Yankees are at is a really hard situation because they are the New York Yankees. They are the Dallas Cowboys. They are the Toronto You're Maple Leafs, con- right? No, no. Well, but well, but they've got the talent to get it done. They haven't gotten it done. And at what point do you need to have that internal conversation about what do we have to do to add? And I thought Rizzo was that guy. And, you know, Rizzo he had a... That's the so scenario the- that we
1: have to wait on, right? For argument's sake, Tab, real quick. Yeah. If, if if they if Judge decides to come back, and let's say Rizzo signs on for another year or two, right? You add that to Lemayhu, uh,
2: Bader. But okay, but I But you're point. banking on Lemayhu being a being a guy, and my question is, can you bank on Lemayhu being a guy when the, you can't? Ignore the health concerns. Yeah, but that's
1: every team has to do that. But he's in your, but but you can't, but you
2: can't, you can't, you can't have an organizational philosophy that's built around the assumption that you're going to get X amount of production from a guy when you have a a higher likelihood that he's MIA. So that are subject to the talent pool
1: that's available. You're subject to the the free agents that either want or don't want to come to New York. Okay. Again, in, the, in the, big, the Yankees have done pretty damn well here in the last five to seven years as an organization, as a winning baseball team, compared to, like I, I was saying in, my, in my, my thoughts, there are 25 other baseball teams, fans in other cities, that would love to have Yankee problems.
2: Yes. So it, at the end of the day, every team, including the Mets, every other team would love to have their problems.
1: Yes. So the Yankees definitely, like I said, we'll see what happens. We'll see how the scenarios uh, pan out. If Judge doesn't come back, come back they can get rid of they can free up a lot of money there's going to be other free agents available after this season there's some pretty damn good ones that are available out there you know another another ace comes in here or whatever and you know you're talking about but that's
2: that's well great. and and having frankly you talk about another ace coming in and I, I said this when you were talking about at the all-star break they had the best record in baseball they were a juggernaut they did that without Severino Severino was not the Louis Severino that you want and expect him to be. And I, I submit that we saw glimpses of it down the stretch, a full off season of prep work and training and him being back to being right. That is the other ACE that you need.
1: But again, it goes with your argument too about you. And that slides
0: Cortez
2: Cortez down to day three. And that now you're looking at like, how do we replace what Jordan Montgomery was as a fifth starter? The and those winner. guys are a lot easier to go find and develop than finding another Garrett Cole because Garrett Coles don't grow on trees, and you've already got him. So kudos to the Yankees for already having one of the alphas on the bump in all of baseball.
1: Okay, so the bottom of the, the, the main thing we were talking about this with all the Yankee talk was the Cashman and the Booney decision, all right? So I'm going to throw it back to you, right? So you know where I stand. I'm okay with Booney hanging in here for another two years. The guy's a winner. He's just a winner. That's That's all there is to it. And it just hasn't worked out from the postseason yet, and it certainly hasn't worked out that his lineups haven't produced for him. Okay, so that's my thought on Booney. Okay, and I think that's for any manager. You talk about Melvin, all these guys. The Phillies were a joke; they just happen to be producing. They're they're doing it. They're earning their keep. Same thing with Baker and the Astros. So that's how, that's a whole another argument. Cashman too. Is it you know has it run its course? You know, maybe not, but I'm in the I'm in the camp. I'm okay if Cashman and Booney are still here for another two years, because they put winning baseball teams. Granted, they haven't won a championship in a while, but they've certainly put us in the postseason, giving us a chance. Like I said, a lot better than like I said, 25, 26 other franchises in baseball. So I'm going to ask you, the outsider, the guy from Chicago who keeps bringing up the Cubs in 2016, are you? Are you okay? Do you see it as a smart baseball move to keep these two guys running the team right now, and if you didn't, who the hell steps in
2: that is the that is my response and and the and the question is and you've heard me say this, whether we're talking hockey, baseball, whatever, in professional sports, if you're going to remove someone, whether it's a player, a manager, a front office executive, the question becomes. Before you make that decision, who do we put in that spot that is going to be better than what we have? Bochy's off the market. Exactly. If now, if if, he's if, not, if, if, he's available, if you if you if you go story, have a conversation baby. with Bochy and he's like, yeah, you know what, like like we talk hockey, Barry Trots is like an original six is interesting to me. Well, that's the comp, here, does he right? Think he is, Tab. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know. Well, you know what? The, the Leafs might be an interesting proposition. Well, Scotty Bowman won
1: like seven or eight that, cups or whatever. He's that, he's the guy who can say, I want to only go to an original six. But I don't think Barry Trotz be going around saying, I only want to coach an original six. Team. No,
2: I think Barry Trotz is just setting the setting the chips up so that when Toronto doesn't win a championship, he gets a call. But if Boach is there and you have a conversation and he's intrigued by the lights in the Bronx, you, you, you have that phone call, and that's the only way that I really see – Booney going. But again, I keep making the comp to the Cubs. A lot of people love Joe Madden. He he did it in Tampa. He, he, he got a chip in Chicago, God bless him. 108 years down the toilet. Joe Madden did it. So if anybody's got gravitas, it's Joe Madden in Chicago. And they moved on from him and they went with David Ross. Now, again, the Cubs are more willing to. Embrace the idea of a rebuild and a teardown than the Yankees ever have been and really probably ever will be. So let's just not say. And I, again, I, I've I've given this caveat and I'll put that out there again. The, the fine print here is the Cubs have been able and willing to rebuild. The Yankees have never and will never do that. So you're not going to see them trade Stanton for nothing and you know trade all these guys at the deadline and start over and hope that. You know, when Volpe and Dominguez get there in two years, they're ready to jump and go spend money again. They're already spending money. They're going to keep spending money because of the New York effing Yankees. But Theo took a step away, handed the reins to his number two, new voice. They moved on from Joe Madden, which was a tough decision, and handed the reins to Rossi. And for where they were, contextually, Those were the right decisions. Again, for a franchise that was able and willing to take a step back, to take three steps forward eventually. The Yankees are not going to take a step back. They want to take two steps forward every single year, even when they're on top. They always, You win a World Series, you're still looking for how can we be better. That's what the Yankees do. So with me, with Boone, I look at the Madden comp, and the knock on Madden was – he tinkers with his lineup every day Madden uh, Booney had to do that guys aren't producing for him. Do you need somebody else to just have a different story in the room? That's, that's a possibility with Boone. Joe Madden was successful. He went to the playoffs every year. He was the Cubs manager. So it's not like he wasn't getting him into the, into the postseason. It wasn't that he was losing. That was the longest postseason streak that the Cubs have ever had with Joe Madden as their manager. In Hundred and whatever years, it was. It was just a, a simple reality check that sometimes the chemistry is good enough that you allow yourself to not be as good as you should be. And I think that's the complacency argument with the Yankees right now is they're good enough that they do they allow themselves to not be as good as they should be. I don't think Aaron allowing making the decision to allow Aaron judge to walk fixes that. I don't think spending $300 million on Carlos Correa or Trey Turner does that. The question is what, what incremental steps can they take at the major league level to solve some of these problems? Does a full season of Harrison Bader change things? Probably a little bit. Does Severino coming back fully healthy change things? Probably a little bit, but Aaron Boone has defended. I've got the shirt at home that says savages on it. The infamous Aaron Boone ripping the ump a new one because his guys are effing savages in the box. They, they can be savages in the box, but when the lights are on and the chips are down, they haven't been. And the question for the Yankees organization is at this stage in the arc of this generation, the post Jeter Yankees is what needs to happen for us to be as good as we should be. And I think Aaron Boone has gotten as much as he should from the Yankees, but has he gotten as much as he could from the Yankees? But I go, I dovetail back to what I said when I I began answering your question. And that is if you move on from Aaron Boone, who are you moving on from Aaron Boone to? Because you have to know who that guy is. Is Joe Espada that guy? Is Ozzie Guillen that guy? Like, and you're, and you're shaking your head, and I, I'm with you. I, I don't think Ozzie Gian's the right guy for New York. But I'm throwing names out there that are prevalent in these conversations. There's got
1: to be somebody who knows how to handle the New York market, too. I mean, being the manager of the New York Yankees is, is, is not an easy task, all right? So you have Billy Martin who came in here, and then you have the Gap in the 80s, all the different guys that came in here. You know, it's mostly been Yankee-produced managers, right? Pinella, and you go on and on from there. Mattingly, uh, not obviously didn't manage here, but I'm saying, like, you know, it's usually. A, well, he's available. Yeah, I know, but I, I don't know if Mattingly's the kind of guy that's going to come. And, in he, and
2: you know what? He want, he, want, he started the division run with the Dodgers before they moved on, and again, a guy that got them started building them into a playoff team.
1: And, and that's why I brought it, Mattingly, as, as far as being in the discussion.
2: He, he, sta- he, sta- sta- he here, started it. He here, started so. it in L, Started it in L.A. And they moved on from him, and they brought in Dave Roberts, who at that point was a a fringe player, relative unknown, did not have strong ties to the Dodger organization. And you talk about the Buffalo Bills. I mean, if you're the L.A. Dodgers, you've got one chip and 15 or whatever straight division championships. They have become this generation's 1990s Atlanta Braves. You win the division every year, but to what end? You've only got one ring. And you're in it every year for more than a decade, you, your Yankees were in it every year for 15 years. And how many rings does number two have at home? That's the standard in New York, right? You don't hear Dodger fan, you, some, but it's a very small, not very vocal minority saying, you know, move on from Dave Roberts. Um, in New York, you ha- it it's the ring, right? Winning the division is not good enough. That's an expected precursor to the greatness that comes in October, and they have not achieved that. Mm -hmm. And so what neither one of us can answer, and ultimately it's going to be the Steinbrenners that have to answer this question. It's, is our Cashman and Booney, the guys that are going to be able to get what they could get out of this team and not what they should, because you're paying enough money that you should win that division, right? The Red Sox have, a boatload of flaws we've talked about Toronto's coming uh we've talked about Tampa is the nets that never go away Ozzie Guillen would have called them pinata or uh piranhas <laughs> um you know you you've, we've talked a lot this year on LDR about Baltimore they're coming um so that division there's a swell in the east behind you that you can't ignore yeah. And so you're not, you're not where you were four or five years ago where it's you and the Red Sox. And if you get in and you get healthy, you got a fighter's chance, right? You can't just assume that the division is going to be yours three, five years from now because of what other teams have coming and their willingness to spend. So I think that the question that the Steinbrenners need to answer is – Are Cashman and Boone the guys that can get what they could out of this team and not what they should? Because they should win the division every year. They're the New York effing Yankees. But what they could win is a World Series, and that's what they need to win. And I don't know who out there. I don't know if Joe Espada is the guy. I don't know who it is. Aaron Boone came in out of the booth, and he did a really nice job for them. You're right. He's a winner.
1: But he's a guy who's played in the environment here. You know I, what I was alluding to before is you know the you know you had Tory come in here who was a New York guy here to begin with and he was just the right guy at the right time, um, and then he you know hands the baton to Girardi, you know Girardi gets the championship, same thing, and then obviously Booney comes in here too. What I'm saying is, is those those the three managers we've had here now with the championships and and Booney like I said I, I put that on my my post as well too. He's one World Series away from going down as one of the best managers in Yankees history, if not baseball history, just with his winning records. And he's only been managing for five years. And one of them is a quarantine year, you know. But um,
2: Paul, I mean, I, I, I'm going to th- throw one, one question out there. You don't have to answer it right now. Because we'll have, we'll have a, a postseason recap show. Um, and we'll talk probably more about this then. But I mentioned a name. who's a free agent right now. Again, spending has never been a problem. He's been in the bright lights. If you're the Steinbrenners, if you're Brian Cashman, even though you've already said Aaron Boone's our guy, are you picking up your phone and making a phone call to Joe Madden?
1: No. I don't. Th- your, hard, your,
2: your hard pass on Madden.
1: I think he's, he's, he's uh, beyond his years and age, and I don't think he fits here in New York. I think they'll. I don't. I, and I don't think. Look, it's way too early to speculate too, because we still don't know the variables. What's going to happen here in the next few months? Who stays? Right. Who goes? Right. Uh, and because, and I think that's Yankee fans, and we all have to have a lot of patience here right now, which we don't have. And we're going to have to wait to see what happens. And the number one thing is we'll Judge. It's all about Aaron Judge. It is
2: it, the, it, it, the whole the, the whole postseason sir, I, I think is a guy
1: a like Madden go any any managerial. Uh, prospect to come into new york right now he's going to look at this lineup right now and he's going i ain't managing this squad they just, oh yeah they the, the, no this is a playoffs
2: this is this, a tell me you know show me the menu before i order my dinner right i
1: mean hot stove here in the bronx is going to be unbelievable and it's exciting too
2: no i, w- I would i would i would hit the pause button on the idea of past his prime and expiration dates and things like that because for as bad as Tony La Russa was in For Chicago, the New York Buck, Yankees
1: job he is?
2: But Buck Showalter in New York now again understands the market, managed the Yankees. He was that bridge to Tori, got him into the postseason. Then they 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 went and found the winner. My the question might is, might as well
1: it, be the Reds. It's it's a, it's a different beast. Buck
2: couldn't. It, man, it, I mean, it, you know, it's a different beast, but I know he's been know, here before. But uh, it's a different the, beast. I I I I there's part of me that wonders if. Boone is this generation's Buck Showalter. He played there, had some great moments there, got him into the playoffs. He was good. But is there a guy that pulled – and I don't know who that guy is. And that's, that's my closing statement is if you move on from either Cashman or Boone, you have to have clearly, confidently identified someone who is better. I don't know who that guy is. And I think the only reason that I bring up Joe Madden and ask you about him is he's going to be the elephant in the room for any team that has a managerial conversation now that is off the market. Right. And I think, you know, if you didn't call on Bochy knowing that he had an itch to get back on the bench, I think, you know, that's, that's a, that's a mistake because I think Bochy would have been a complete game changer for them. But you, you, you know, you, when you look at guys, I don't know that, I don't know that having played for the Yankees is a mandate. I think it helps. No, I, I but 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 you know you, you look at some of the old guys like I think Buck enjoyed pretty decent success with the Mets this year. Obviously Dusty Baker, and let we'll, we'll move to the World Series here in a second. He's you know the second he was the second oldest manager in baseball behind Larusa before Larusa decided to retire for like the seventeenth time. Um, and and he's now in the World Series. So I just I if you're going to move on from Aaron Boone you have to confidently know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the guy that you're bringing in is better than Aaron Boone. I don't know who that guy is, but if you're going to make that change, you sure as hell better be confident because you know what, if Cashman's at a place in his career that if Cashman makes that call, he's tying his future in that seat to whomever he replaces Boone with, if he's the one that makes that decision. And if the Steinbrenners decide that they need somebody else, it might be someone other than Cashman who makes the decision on the managerial move. And, and I don't know that either one of those changes, I don't think either one of those changes happen this offseason. I think they start next year with Cashman pulling the strings and Booney on the bench. But in 12 months, if they're not, if we're not doing a line drive radio 2023 World Series preview episode and the Yankees are part of it, I don't think that either one of those gentlemen are making the decisions in the off season leading into 2024. Right. I think as much as we talked in our season preview show that this was a make or break year and it was a ring or nothing. Um, it, it looks like they're going to get a little more rope. Um, but I think that this is, this is 2023 is absolutely confidently for me, a shit or get off the pot year for Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman. I think they it, it is absolutely – you have to – A least, lot of people at, said it was this year. <laughs> it was, and, and you know what? I think a lot of people were right. But it looks like they're going to let them run it one more time. They're going to let them run it back. And a lot of the health concerns that they had are going to be the excuse to do that. Because, again, the Yankees don't take a step back to take two steps forward. They retool. They don't rebuild. And so I think that Cashman's going to get a, a winner to retool. It's going to be very interesting to see how he augments his lineup to make it more competitive, to bring more contact in to surround the bombers with guys that will get on base in front of them. I think Bader will be a part of that conversation, absolutely. Um, but, and, you know, potentially Benintendi could be part of that conversation as well, but they've got they've got some problems. And I think that the left side of the infield is the biggest thing that I'm staring at. And, and what we don't know right now is what the organizational timeline is for Anthony Volpe becoming – their all-time, full-time, permanent shortstop and what they do at their base. Uh, because I think Donaldson needs to go. I think Kiner-Falefa could be a nice second base complement to Volpe if they give him the shortstop job. Go- but, they need, but But they, there's a lot of things. They need to figure out what first base is if Rizzo is back or if they replace him. Um, their outfield situation. They And the, here's the other problem. You, you bring up Matt Carpenter and him playing every day. The problem that I had with the Carpenter move was if he's a DH that's going to put the ball in play because he can't play defensively because he's worse than Donaldson, worse than kind of worse than Torres. And he is defensively worse than Glaver Torres at second base. He's atrocious. That's why he's not in St. Louis anymore. Yeah, I don't see if him he's coming your back. DA, if, but if, but if, he's, if you're looking at guys like him as your DH, that means giancarlo Carlos got to be playing left field and that's a debacle.
1: No, I, I, I was... Basically bringing up Carpenter as an extension of how he was playing during the season when he came in here. And then, like I said, they lose him in the postseason. If he if he had been getting proper at bats, he might have been a different, had a different impact yeah. on the season. Yeah, well, he was th- banged up, so they couldn't yeah. bang so no, him. I, but, yeah. You can't bring Carpenter back. He was a fixed stop anyway, um, as far as what's going on. Last thing on the managerial side, too. You know, when I saw Madden, Bochy, any of these guys, you know, you can go coach in San Francisco. You can go coach down in Texas. You can go coach down in Houston like Dusty is, too it's you can kind of really just focus in on just coaching good clean baseball, fixing your organization and stuff and you don't have you know you you only have uh you know you don't have three times as many reporters and 16 newspapers and and uh you know pre you know th- all the stuff that's involved with being the Yankees manager is is huge it's
2: Dealing with egos on the field and in wow, the post-game it's press conference. Well, it's, it, it right? Starts
1: with, yeah, it starts with the Yankee lore,
2: it starts Look, with the Lord Because Dust, Dusty players. dealt with Bryce Harper when he was in Washington, but he didn't have guys like Rosenthal and Heyman sitting there grilling him after every game.
1: So that's that's the other thing, too. Who It's it's an issue, too. Who wants to come to the Yankees? Most of the guys who come to the Yankees are either guys who want to be Yankees, have, you know. Or you know, coaches and players and stuff—they've been with the Yankees. They know what it's like, and they like the challenge. And we'll see. But anyway, that's—we uh, spent a lot of time on the Yankees here. We apologize, um, but uh, you know, and like I said, we could have done the same on the Dodgers. We could have done the same on the Mets. You know, the, the, the yeah. even the Padres themselves is a, is another story to look at. The Braves, everything else, and that's all I just wanted to put into perspective. In addition to you know, just the Yankees getting out and <laughs> everything else, they're they're still one of the best. The most winningest teams here in the last five to seven years. And Booney and Cashman were part of that. And as a fan, like I said, do you want season tickets to the Pirates? Uh, you, you want season tickets to the Yankees? And, yeah, you know, you're going you're gonna to get a chance. You might get four wins away from getting to the World Series pretty much every year. So, anyway. So, let's talk about. just
2: but getting those four wins. And, and <laughs> we've got two teams left that got those four wins. Yes. Um, and I'm actually going to invert the way that these things usually go. Um, and, Paul, I'm going to start our conversation about the World Series by asking you for your prediction. Who wins it and who's the MVP?
1: Um, I, well, I want the Phillies. Do I think they'll beat the Astros? Yes, I think they can. Because I just think... <sighs> look, at the end of the day, if the Astros just find a way to, to pitch these guys... Same way they did the Yankees, and we'll, we'll look at it on the other side, and we'll be like, well, there you go. Uh, that's it. Man, the MVP. I mean, the easy one is, to, you know, Harper's got to make the uh, the impact here. I might lean towards a guy like, uh, uh, you know, up front, maybe Nolan and stuff. So maybe a pitcher's got to steal this, you know, for the for the Phillies.
2: Well, and, and I think you make a good point on Nola because – I think this entire World Series will be determined by what happens tonight in game one. If Aaron Nola fulfills the promise that we've been hearing out of Philadelphia for years, that he's an alpha, that he's a dog, that he's an ace, that he's a legit number one, if there was ever a chance to prove that, it's game one of the World Series with Justin Verlander on the rubber for the other side.
1: So the Phillies are riding this wave. Of incredible emotion. Obviously, the Astros, uh, they eliminated a lot of the stress against the Yankees because they swept them one game. And they, they were pretty much in control. I think all of us in baseball world just kind of felt definitely after game two. I mean, even after game one, the 15 strikeouts. that You know, this is probably going to go the same old way here with the Astros and the Yankees. The Phillies have been a great story. And the Phillies squad just did the exact opposite of what the Yankees did. They, they just came to life. Uh, you go up and down that lineup. You have a lot of guys who just turn their seasons around, and and when it matters here against uh, you know the, the Padres pitching staff and 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 even even their lineup, and then the Padres riding the wave too, uh, you know beating the Dodgers and the Mets. I mean, so it's it, it's it's a different vibe coming in here. Uh, Philly's obviously going to be the underdog and stuff, but um, man, they, if they steal one. I think they can beat the Astros. I'm gonna pull for them. I think it's gonna go five or six. I hope as a baseball fan, we get five or six games. It's you know that's the other thing too, Tab. Just thinking about here, going man, I, there's no Yankee game on tonight. This, you know this this is it. It's it's almost over here. You know.
2: It's well, you've got you you you've got the Giants and the Rangers, so you're fine. No, I'm um, talking
1: about in baseball. So yeah, um, that's my thing. I, I'll pick Noel as you know uh, you know. Hopefully, he doesn't have to pitch. You know a lot in this se- in this series, but he, he he gets out there and he kind of throws some smoke here. Um, I think the Astros are beatable. I really, really do. I, I think you know too. Uh, the Mariners almost they could have got them. Um, they pushed them to the limb. I think the Astros gave the. I mean, the Mariners gave the Astros a lot more stress than the Yankees did. They did. And I think the Phillies, the Phillies are a fun bunch. I mean, I, I you know. You know, I, the one thing I said at the beginning of the season when I was talking about the Phillies in, in spring training was that they, they went out and spent all this money. They have a dynamic lineup. They crapped the bed the whole season. They forced Girardi out. But, man, look at them now. And look at the, look at the passion on that team and the fans and the fan base. They are riding an amazing wave. Um, and the one thing they're going to get here that the Yankees didn't get either is they've had a few days off rest to kind of decompress here a little bit. And Almost kind of, a week. Yeah. The Yankees didn't get that either. Uh, it's not an excuse, but they did have to – they did drink a little after beating the Guardians, and then they took a late-night flight, and then they had to play, you know, in use the next day. Uh, yeah, the rain didn't but, get yeah, enough papers. Is, yeah. So, anyway, there there it is. I'm just going to keep it short and sweet there as far as, you know, me. I, on this side of it now, I'm just – So, uh, you're going Aaron
2: Ola is the MVP and yeah, Philly's in six? Yeah, and, you're going to be conservative?
1: Yeah, I, I like six games. Because uh, I hope we get six games.
2: I really do. So so I've already gone on the record at Bleacher Nation. So I'm going to own that. I'm going to wear it. And I'm going to stick with it because that's where I'm at. I I'm i with you on going six games. Um, you know, in hockey, they have the postseason, the overall postseason MVP award. And there have been occasions that a guy on the losing team has won it. Um, And I think right now, going into the World Series, if the Phillies were to lose the World Series in six games in a similar format, you could make a case that Bryce Harper could be the overall postseason most valuable player in a losing effort. But that doesn't happen in baseball. Uh, I actually went off the board a bit. And uh, my pick for the World Series MVP, I have the Astros in six and I have Yuli Gurriel as the World Series MVP. And I say that because of this. You look at that lineup, and everybody worries about Jose Altuve, rightfully so. And you know what? If he wakes up, this series will be four games. Because they've swept everybody, and like I said before, Altuve hasn't done a damn thing, and they haven't lost a game yet. This dude's batting average is my seventh-grade body weight. Not even, fifth-grade body weight. Oh ninety one. 91 um, So if, if El Tuve wakes up, this thing's a sweep. But, um, but they, you worry about Bregman, right? You worry you don't want Jordan Alvarez, who's probably going to end up third in the MVP voting this year behind Judge and Otani. Um, he's the best DH in baseball. He's playing a lot of left field. This is a dude that balls out. He hits the ball a country mile. You've got Pena, who's playing really well at shortstop. I think a lot of people have keyed in on him now. Obviously, when you win an American League Championship Series MVP, people are going to circle him in the lineup now, right? But over the past five years that they've been dominant, the guy in the Astros lineup that everyone's taken for granted is Yuli Gurriel. And you know who's got the best batting average on that roster going into the World Series this postseason? Yuli Gurriel, 367. And this is a guy that doesn't hit tanks. He's not Jordan Alvarez. And I think this is where the Astros become problematic for teams like the Yankees, like the Phillies, and so many others. They are the antithesis of the true outcome baseball world that we live in today. They will small ball you to death. They are death by a million paper cuts. They are totally happy with Pena getting you a single, Bregman getting you a double, Gurriel driving in two runs with a single the other way against the... You can't shift Gurriel. I mean, this is a guy whose dad was, by many people who followed him, the Hank Aaron of Cuba. So he's a baseball lifer. He's 38 years old, but he hasn't played... He doesn't have a lot of mileage on the tires because he played in Cuba for so long that he's still relatively young by Major League Baseball standards. But this is a dude who plays the game the old-school way. You saw that against the Yankees, right? They're playing Torres up the middle, and he takes an outside fastball and just chops it through that massive gap on the right side. Then you got Rizzo playing 30 feet off the bag because you don't adjust your defensive alignment because you still think that the guy's going to pull the ball, even though everything tells you he's not a pull guy. You have to play traditional defense against the Houston Astros because they hit the ball where your defenders are not standing, and that's what makes them so freaking hard to deal with. Right? They've got three guys that have a 300 batting average in the playoffs so far. But when they get their hits, they matter. And th- I think that's, that's what's really interesting for me. When you look at the Phillies lineup, they've got, they're, they're still really dependent on extra base hits. You know, Reese Hoskins has eight hits. Six of them have been for extra bases. He's got five home runs in 11 games. He's mashing. He's got a 182 batting average. So this is, you know, he's maybe their Aaron Judge. He's got five homers and 11 runs batted in in 11 games. On the surface, that feels great, but when you've only got eight hits and 44 at-bats, it's not, you know, something that you can really be like, okay, well, we'll just bank on Reese Hoskins. Alec Boehm, you know, he's had big hits at the right moments, but seven hits and 37 at-bats isn't spectacular. Schwarber, big hits, tanks, longest home run you've seen in years in the postseason, but three of his seven total hits have left the building. They've got six, they've got 82 hits, and 16 of them have left the building. So they're still very much a home-run dependent team. They've struck out 94 times in 11 games. So you're going to get swing and miss, and we know that the Astros feast on swing and miss. I don't have to tell you that. We just spent an hour talking about the Yankees because they're a team that's built on swing and miss, and I think the Phillies present a lot of the same Achilles heels offensively that the Yankees. Did. Right the the Yankees and, and Harper's basically their Aaron Judge right now. Now, he's hitting 419 going into the World Series. You make a mistake and it's leaving the building. And he had his legacy moment. That home run to put them in the World Series was a legacy moment for a guy who, like LeBron, was on the cover of Sports Illustrated before he got his driver's license. We have been patiently waiting and expecting this moment for Bryce Harper for a decade. This is, this is, with all due respect to the Houston Astros and everybody else on the Philadelphia Phillies, this World Series to me is about Bryce Harper. Can he put the whole frickin' thing on his back and win a, and win a chip? Because you know what? He left Washington to get the bag, and Washington won a World Series the next year. And, the, and that's, the, that's the great contrast here, right? He leaves, Dusty leaves. They win a World Series without Dusty and without Bryce. And now one of those two guys is going to get a ring. And the historians will tell you, Dusty, I would argue very, very comfortably that there isn't a manager in all of baseball that everyone in the game is rooting to get a ring like Dusty Baker. Everyone wants him to win a ring, even if it's with the hated, detested Houston Astros. Everybody wants Dusty to get over the hump. And, and he and Bryce Harper for for a few years there were tied together in like Boone and Judge, not being able to get over the hump together. And Washington moved on from both and got a chip. And now one of those two is going to get there somewhere else. And I think that the, the story of this World Series will be how far can Bryce Harper carry the Philadelphia Phillies? Because he has carried them to the dance. Can he win the show now? And I love your pick of Aaron Nola to be the MVP. I think if they win it, Harper's the MVP. But I think Aaron Nola's the guy, if they're going to make this thing interesting, if it's going to go six or seven and they've got a fighter's chance, Aaron Nola's got to be a guy. He's got to be a dupe. Yep. He has to fulfill the promise that we've been hearing for years. He has to beat Justin Verlander tonight. That's it. Like if, if, if Aaron Nola is out of the game before the end of the fifth inning, it means the Astros are getting to him and the series is going to go five. And I've, I've loved Aaron Nola's game for a long time, but I, I really firmly believe that he's going to have to be a dude for them to have a fighter's chance. And Bryce Harper is going to have to hit the piss out of the ball. And I'd be really interested having said what I did about the Phillies having a lot of swing and miss like the Yankees. Do the Astros approach Bryce Harper the same way that they did Aaron judge. He's the guy that's not going to beat us. We're not going to avoid him. We're not putting him on. But he's going to get a steady diet of off-speed shite.
1: <laughs> oh, look at you with your Irish. Of course. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. He, he's, he's going to get nothing to drive. And he's going to have to accept what they give him. But other people are going to have to hit around him. And I think that's what the Astros are going to do. They're going to say, Bryce might get on. He might hit a home run or two. But nobody else is going to beat us. Because if Harper gets in baseball, if one guy gets off, you don't win. Very rarely do you win if only one guy gets off. And they're going to circle Bryce Harper, and they're going to treat him the same way that they did Aaron Judge. And that pitching staff has more swing and miss than probably any staff in baseball. And the swing and miss on the Phillies is as prevalent as it is anywhere in baseball. And so for me, does a team with a 307 on base percentage in the postseason get it done? And I, I, I don't know that they can. Because I think that you've just got so many guys. You've got, you know, Urquidy hasn't even pitched yet, and the dude started three World Series games already. Um, So you look at guys that can give you three or four innings out of the bullpen down there. You look at guys that can come in and get three outs. doesn't matter who it is. I just, I think that the you look at the, maybe you don't know their names, maybe you don't care about who they are, but they get it done. And for me, I think that's, the big win here. And I, I don't think Altuve stays ice cold forever, but I do think it goes six and I'm circling Gurriel as my pick to click for the world series. He's my MVP guy. And you know what? I'm going to whisper this between the two of us because only our listeners and the two of us are going to know this, but I think Yuli Gurriel would be a freaking incredible first baseman in the Bronx. <laughs>
0: do
2: everything that we just talked about. And if they did, and if they're in a position that they're like, you know what? Alvarez can go play first base for us. We'll get a more athletic left fielder, yada, yada. You've got 800 ways that you can go with this stuff. But a guy like Gurriel, with the contact that he makes, the inability to shift a guy, like he's the perfect kind of guy. He's the Tino Martinez that you need at, at this stage. Neither here nor there. We're done with the Yankees. But I just, I, I feel like the Astros, I, I feel like it's Dusty's time. I really do. And I think if they if they get it, I think he takes off his black gloves, wipes his hands, and says, That's it, folks. See you in Cooperstown. That's my resume. Thank you very much. Good night. And that would be incredible. And I'd be here for it. I would love to see that. The John Elway moment, but for a manager in baseball. Go get your ring and call it a career. And I think I think he's I think he's there. I think that's what you get. So for me, the, the, the biggest storyline on the field is Bryce Harper. Can he carry the Phillies to the whole thing? Can he finish the job? Can he fulfill the he, legend yeah. that he them. has been since he was 16 now. years old? And he can't do it by himself. And I think the Astros are going to make him try to do it by himself. And that's why I'm, I'm taking the Astros. But I do think six. I think they're going to hit. Um, and I don't think they're going to go away. And I think they're going to be pesky. And I think they're going to be annoying. And I think that they're going to get a couple games. You know, having Wheeler come back in two is a big big number two for them. Based on pedigree and stuff and everything else, I think you've got a pitching matchup that favors Philadelphia in game two. Right out of the gate. But I think it goes six. I think it's the Astros, and I'm going Gurriel as the MVP.
1: It's all good stuff, man. It makes a hell of a lot of sense. You know, you got, like I said, Philly's riding the wave. It's been a, it's been a storybook uh, season. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you get the um, – the guy you think should win it, the team that should win it, and it's always happened in MLB. The other team just finds a way. If it's just dirt, grit, and it's going to come down to mistakes, it's going to come down to mental decisions, It's going to, and ultimately, Tab, it comes down to individual performance uh, up and down the lineup for a team to win a baseball championship. And that's what we're going to get here. We've got to tip our cap to uh, Rob Thompson, the amazing job he's done.
2: Absolutely, I'm glad. Hey, I'm glad they locked him up too. He's earned it.
1: Yeah, uh, taking over for jumping Joe Girardi didn't work out. Uh, I don't think Joe will be watching the uh, World Series. But um, look, we got a good one He's on tap. He's going to interview
2: for Cookie's <laughs> job.
1: <laughs> no bueno. I'm but back. There, there, yeah. There it is, folks. Hey, look. Um, just great talk as always. Here we are. The two best teams are in the dance. It starts tonight, eight o'clock Eastern time. Phillies and the Astros. Let's just hope for a good one for all of us baseball fans. For for those fans who are going to tune in and watch this, and if you're a real purist baseball fan, you will watch these games and and let's see it all how it all turns out. And then um, me and Tab will come back after the series. We'll wrap it up and then we'll start looking into uh, next year and see if some storylines fall into place here while the games are being played here these uh, in this World Series. So um, as always, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, appreciate your support. And Tab, I'll throw it back to you as uh, we send this off into the World Series right here on LDR.
2: You don't, the weather's gone south for many of us, unless you live south. Uh, It's cold outside. You're probably playing with fire more than baseballs outside, but you've got one series left to watch. You've got maximum seven games left to play. So make the popcorn, mix the cocktails, crack the beers, find a soda pop if that's what you're into. And enjoy the games, kids, because this is what you play for all year. This is what we talked about all year. And now it's time. Chips are on the table. Let's see who finishes the dance.
1: There you go. Play ball. Have fun, Philadelphia. Have fun, Houston. Hang in here with the nerves. Should be a good time. We'll see you on the other side of the series. Ted Bamford and Paul Cuthbert. Thanks for tuning in to LDR.
2: Play ball!